This podcast is a love letter to every small business owner in Africa that dreams of growing big, every African executive that wants to get ahead, and every leader that wants more impact. I'm Tembi Kumalo, your host and the founder of Brand Builder Africa. We'll talk about everything to do with growing your business by building your brand. Hi there. At the center of the Brand Builder personal branding process is the question, how do you want to live? Because at its core, personal branding is a process that works from the inside out, looking at your purpose, your people, your message, and how you show up in the world to deliver on your purpose. In my conversation with Carl Joshua Ngube today, I discovered that he and his wife have done exactly that. They're constantly deciding what makes them happy and then making bold and brave moves to live that way. You might know Carl as a comedian, but he is also a prolific content creator. He's the author of several books. He's a celebrity chef and an astute businessman. You'll love this conversation in which he made me think deeply, find some aha moments, and of course, laugh uproariously. Good morning, Carl. Joshua. Good morning. Good morning, Toby. How are you doing? I'm so good. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Victoria Falls, the little country that's at the uh, corner western part uh, bordering Zimbabwe. The little country. Is that what you guys are calling yourselves now? Oh, oh yeah. We, you know, we've got like ATMs that dispense uh, money. It's a very weird very weird country it's very different to the rest of the mainland we're like the singapore of zimbabwe omg <laughs> well i'm dying to see your gdp numbers in absolutely 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 now that we've got our own stock exchange by the way yes you can yes. see where this is going <laughs> oh carl how long have you been in Vic falls um, so we moved here uh, shortly, uh, 2017 is when um, we decided to, to make the move here. It's had okay. kind of been a gradual, a gradual uh, way of moving. I think it took us 10 years to make that final move. In yeah, I was going to say, it feels like a lot longer than that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, we, okay. we used to at least come here twice, twice a year uh, mm-hmm. to figure out the space because uh, we've learned that small towns are not as simple to make a move as like if you're in Arare and you decide I'm moving from avenues to Mount Pleasant or Chizzy to, you know, uh, mm. it's an easy transition. Arare is easier to understand. Smaller towns are so complex. Mm, that is yeah. very interesting. Yeah, as, they're very complex. <laughs> as someone from a small town myself, I'll have to yeah. do my own research. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Because you, you go there with a business, for example, and you could find yourself with zero customers because the community ah. there doesn't doesn't understand what your intentions are yes and so they're very close they're very close-knit information moves faster i i I used to enjoy not being known as much in arare but when you're in a small town everybody knows your business yeah because everybody knows everybody (laughs) yeah and and it's very easy it's very easy for for rumors to fly around Mm. and people to misunderstand that your fluffy dog is not a tokoloshi you know Stop. Okay, so so we know you as a comedian, and clearly yeah. you're still making me laugh. So, <laughs> but you're also you've always been a prolific content creator and a generally creative person. Um, I remember way back in 2010, you were organizing your own tours and doing all the PR and just generally moving your brand in a very um, unusual and forward-thinking way, I would say. And now you're also a celebrity chef, you're in the tourism industry, you're a coach and a consultant and so many things. Tell me about that journey. Like, how did you evolve from Carl the Comedian to all of this? 
so, so you know what's what's actually funny and um i i don't i don't like giving away your your age because you're very beautiful and very young looking <laughs> so so but if you if you remember if you remember what it was like in the advertising sort of world um yeah, you know uh, I do. yeah because that's where that's where i really started to be honest and there hasn't been an evolution if you really think about it uh in advertising we handle a diverse number of clients with a diverse number of interests. And one of the things that's there is that at the core of it, the principles are pretty much the same in terms of how we get our, uh, the, the brands that we represent to be out there uh, to, to do the various activations, uh, the stuff that happens above the line, below the line. Right. For me, that advertising background of say 2000, me being in advertising 2002, uh, running my own agency in 2004 until 2008, um, I, I, I then developed this understanding that the art sector was suffering because the artists only focused on above the line. Mm-hmm. They, never, they never did what was necessary below the line. And if you notice the difference between artists that have like really made it, uh, like, you know, like Jay-Z, Puff Daddy and so on, there's quite a lot of interest that happened below the line than what you see as P. Diddy on the front face of the, of the business. Right, right. Yeah, and, and so for me, it wasn't an evolution. It was more business plan. The comedy was what? the thing that, that got my foot in the door. It was the pitch, basically. Okay. Um, if you start watching my comedy now, you'll start noticing, oh, Carl was pitching the cooking. He was talking about the, 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 the tourism. He was talking about rural tourism. My comedy was basically telling people ideas and sensitizing them to what I would then do later on. Okay. And it had to take a very patient outlook to, to do it, to say, listen, yeah. it's going to be about the comedy for a while before okay. you start actually knocking on the doors to say, hey, by the way, um, <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually a businessman and here's my startup. Yeah, yeah. lots of long range thinking there, Carl, which yeah. is very unusual. And, but I think so, so uh, such an important trait in, in building a successful business. So basically, comedy was a brand building tool. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. It it was the it was the flyer because what can you just imagine what what it would be like if in two thousand and ten, I was trying to convince say the Zimbabwean government that um, rural tourism was the future. They, they they would laugh me out of the boardrooms. However, <laughs> as a stand, as a stand up comedian if you told a number of jokes and, and the, the, the journey was, was very simple. It was get good, get seen, get paid. And the, the issue was if I, if I got good enough at the comedy that I could tour around the world, mm. then I, I developed a critical mass in terms of like, people would say, Oh, listen to him. He's traveled. It wouldn't then sound like it was my idea. I would, mm. listen, I would literally sound like I was just telling people, Oh, in Brazil, this is what happens. But basically my ideas were just echoed around the world because there isn't really anything like a new idea. You are, basically what you'll find is other countries that have already either tried something that you, you were already thinking. Mm. And, and so comedy allowed me to get into those spaces of, of saying, um, even how we projected when I was going to do a, a TED talk, for example. Mm. And, and, and it was weird that I ended up doing two TED talks, which was even more fantastic. Yeah. But, but all of that had to be part of that journey of saying, how do you become a thought leader? How are you able to get into spaces and have the influence uh, to be able to lobby for the things that, from a business perspective, you, you, you absolutely need? Okay. And then you also wrote books. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In your spare yeah. time. <laughs> In my spare time. In my spare time, which surprisingly, I have a lot of spare time. That does surprise and, me, actually. Yeah, so, so the thing is, right, is that um, I think in the world, we, you know, I've got this thing where I talk about snakes and ladders and how to play this game that we call life or brand mm. is that it's, it's, all, it's all a game. And sometimes you'll find like, even when you're managing a particular brand and you put it onto the board to play snakes and ladders, each thing that you do on your strategy basically is to get to 100 Right. But in between, there's going to be snakes and ladders, either ladders that will take you up. So opportunities, you need to know that this is a small opportunity that will get me from, say, five until 11. 
or this is going to be a snake that will bring us from 97 right down to two. Oh Lord. And yeah. So in that whole process, you have to understand that this is going to happen. And quite often, you know, I notice with some of my clients, they're always avoiding things like, oh, but what happens if, let's say, for example, uh, we use this brand ambassador and then uh, they get involved in a sex scandal, for example. Yeah. And I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. Even your CEO could succumb to that same thing, even any employee. So what you have to understand is exactly what you're going to do in each of those scenarios, which is to continue playing the game. Right. And so I once, once you've understood- analogy, Carl. Yeah. That's so yeah. good. And I think I must even tell it to my children because right. sometimes you, you face a, a, a setback and then yeah. you feel like that's the end. But you've right. actually got to keep playing, right? Yes, because that's the objective. Ultimately, mm. ultimately, if you, when you're playing snakes and ladders, and this is the reason why uh, you'll find people like, uh, it, it's a difference between like Steve Jobs, uh, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and Zimbabwean businesses. Zimbabwean businesses prefer to play the game. And once they get to a certain level, they want to stay there. So what they'll do is they'll say, uh, listen, I can see where 100 is, but I'd rather stay at 45. There's no snake and there's no ladder. And I'd rather just stay here. <laughs> I, I, it's comfortable because I've noticed that uh, I once got eaten by a snake and I, I, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to tell people my plans. I don't want to reach for the stars. I, I, you know, my kids are going to private schools. I am okay. I'm good. But you'll find like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, they just kept playing. They're like, they don't care. They'll take their brands as far as humanly possible. And remember that going to 100 is not as simple as it looks. Because once you get to like 99, you have to throw a one. You have to be lucky enough to throw a one yeah. to be able to hit 100. If you throw six, you go, you go one and then you go five back. But it's really in business, you want to keep playing the game. That's where the fun is. Nobody wants to win a game. Even when you play cards and you do that uh, close and count, uh, not close and count, but close and carry on, for example. When you're sitting outside and, and the losers are still playing, even as a winner, you still feel jealous. Because you want to get in. You always right, want to be in. Right, yeah. Because life is for actually living. Exactly. So, so we, for winning. Yeah, so, so, so this was what one fundamental problem I always had about life was that imagine that uh, the way the system has been set up is that when we went to school, remember, we used to have to do, by the time we got to O-level, we were doing something like seven, eight, nine, ten subjects. Yeah, right? I wrote ten. Yeah, so we write ten subjects, which means we are proficient at, a 60, at 16 years old, we're sort of proficient at multiple interests. Mm -hmm. Then what, what the corporates try to do is then they try to zone us into one skill. So they give us three subjects at A-level. Mm. So, so they, they, they cut it down. And then they cut it down even further by saying you can only do one degree. At a time, yeah. And then, and then they cut it down because the employer is saying, I only need you to do one position. No employee is, at that time was trying to hire a, a multi-skilled person. And yet our brains are designed to do, um, I was remembering the conversation we were having uh, just yesterday and you were, you were telling me all the things you had to do. And I was like, ah, oh, there you go being superwoman again. Right? right. And, but the thing is, that's what we're built to do. We, we're just, we're just not doing it. And so for me, all I did was I decided to monetize all the things that I was doing for free. So I cook every day at home. I've decided to turn that into a business. I, I write on Facebook all the time, just like all of us do. But I, what I decided to do was that every week I write an article and then I compile those articles, they become a book. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so my, my whole thing, even uh, for example, um, I'm, I'm sure we will talk about like, like the rural projects that we're doing, but mm. it was just addressing the fact that we were getting out of the rent trap. And so, right. yes, I, I've built a business around it, but the business was there to actually help my wife and I just build our own house. Mm. So, so, so I, I always say start a business that solves your own problems first, because if it does, what, it's what likely a, to solve someone else's. Yeah. What a great philosophy, but you're yeah. making it sound super easy and super simple. Right. And I mean, we all cook at home, but yeah. the stuff that I cook ain't going right, to right, right. in a cookbook, dude. <laughs> right. 
and 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 that's and that's the the, the thing about the that get good get seen get paid if you see the first blog i ever did about uh, carl can cook mm. um you know i i had maybe three people who were following me my girlfriend at the time my best friend and a stranger but the but the thing that um i learned from uh, from friends like Tari Rone Gitari, for example, who was the person who really pushed me to get into comedy, was that she started off with just two people in a room and just, call, and just called it a, you know, she just called it a, a, a show. And what I noticed is that in the cooking thing, there are so many mothers that had recipe books that they passed down from generation to generation. So in actual fact, they just didn't monetize it. They, they just had it there. And, and there's a lot of these gifts that we sit on. And I'm not saying everyone should turn something into a business. But for sure, celebrate fully everything you do. So you, you'll be wild. so amazed. Actually, now that I think of it, I have a box that is full of uh, index cards that I've written right. my own recipes on. Right. And when, I, when my kids were little, I would record these recipes because I wanted to make sure that I could repeat them the same way, you know, yeah. and that if yeah. anybody else wanted the recipe, that I had the quantities and everything um, sorted there so that the, the yeah. outcome would be the same every time. But I'm pretty yeah. sure if I compiled all my index cards, I could probably produce a cookbook. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, uh, you know, um, I'm always having this conversation with my wife because uh, she, she also says like, you know, you make it sound easy. But it, it actually is, uh, that's the difficulty in it, is that it is easy. Like, again, I'll come back to advertising. When usually a client will come to you with books and books and books of what their brand is about. You know, the annual reports, they'll, they'll, show you, they'll show you everything. But ultimately, the copywriter has to come up with the simplest line that embodies everything. And sometimes it's just a word, but it's actually that simple, but it's that hard to be simple. I think that's the, the challenge in humanity is that yeah. we, we, we feel things are complicated. Mm, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have so many questions. I want to <laughs> talk about how you became this person who sees the world in this way. But I also yeah. want to talk about how you and your wife ended up living in a bus. <laughs> yes. So let's start with the first part. Yeah. The, your view of the world and your, your method of perceiving it was not usual for a, yeah. a, a Zimbabwean born Zimbabwean bred person. So if we could replicate that, yeah. which pieces of your life experience would we repeat? Uh, well, let's try not to repeat my childhood. That's the first one. Um, okay. so, so the first, the first part was really about my parents. So my parents were probably two of the most talented people I've ever known growing up. Wow. But they, they got together and didn't get along. Okay. Um, so, so my father was a, a woodwork teacher, technical graphics, uh, and then was a part-time comedian. He would he would do comedy at weddings and, and so on for his friends. Uh, usually, you know, for a beer or like a little bit of a, a bit of money or whatever, but it wasn't like a profession. He just did it because he loved to make people uh, laugh. Okay. And then my mother, uh, home economics lecturer, fashion and fabrics, um, food and nutrition. That was the so thing. both very and, creative people for sure. Ex exactly. But the two were, were teachers and they, they, they just didn't get along and they didn't celebrate that skill in their personal lives. So they were teachers of these subjects, but not necessarily that they implemented these things. Okay. So, so they split up when I was quite young. And um, my mom happen, happens to be Shona and my dad in Devele. So um, you can imagine what that was like being in a messy sort of separation, being five. I grew yeah. up yeah. extremely quick. Um, I, I, you know, I, I had to travel with my mom quite a lot. I was left with a lot of relatives uh, because my mom had to sort of build up her life and my dad was also trying to do his thing. I had to live with so many different people. And what came with that was not being made to belong um, very early. An outsider. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm always the, 
you imagine that in the 80s, I'm the Ndebele kid in the Shona, in right. the Shona part of my family, or I'm the Shona kid in the Ndebele part. Right. So I'm being made, it's already bad enough, I've got a lisp. I'm being made fun of because I'm a talkative kid, but nobody can understand me. I've got the most weird oh. accent. I speak Ndebele badly, I speak Shona badly. Um, so in the, in the end, I mean, I had nicknames like, when we're playing cops and robbers, I'd be the guy who, right at the beginning, Jonzi, kambateka dissident guy guy. So, no, so not to get into, not into get, not to get into the things that were tribal, but it's to get into how I then dealt with it. Right. It was uh, how I dealt with it was as I was locked up. I remembered one time my cousins would lock me up in a cupboard and say, "You're in jail, whatever." Yeah. And because it was okay, their parents would say stuff like, "When the news was happening." when I think there was these uh, dissidents that were being caught up and whatever on the news and they'll say, ah, look at your relatives. Mm, I remember that time so well. Yeah. So, so I had to create an identity. Like brand for me was the earliest part of my identity. Firstly, wow. my name. I wanted people to always address me as Carl Joshua Nube. I didn't care who you were. If you didn't use my full name, I would get very angry. Because for the longest time, people were calling me nicknames that it was important for them to know my name fully. So, so that was the first part of it. And identifying with being Zimbabwean. Because I said, okay, you guys in Mulawai don't want to accept me. You guys in Narai don't want to accept me. So I'm Zimbabwean now. And I don't care about either of you. I'm going to be my own thing. Wow. God. And so started this whole journey of just, you know, every time I, you know, the... The, the kids at school that were being bullied, those are the ones I would play with. Those are the, the ones I'd try and get them an identity and say, guys, no, I was locked up. Look at me. And, you know, mm. look at me. I, I'm, look at me, you know? Um, so, yeah, that, that was the thing that really formulated. It came from a lot of pain. It came from, but for me, it was all about how do I build happiness in my own life? And happiness was not going to come from people around me. It was going to come from within. Right. If I didn't love what I did, if I didn't love my own skills, uh, you know, I enjoyed the fact that I could draw. I enjoyed that I could, I, I, I love to talk. I love to crack jokes. So even when my relatives would say, I talk too much and I make up stories and, you know, I, I would get into trouble for this mouth of mine. Yeah. I, I kept thinking at the back of my mind, don't worry. One day, Carl, you're going to be famous. You're not going to need any of these people in your life. It, wow. It'll be fine. Wow. So this is a real turning adversity and pain into into the thing that you, 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 the springboard basically yeah. for your career. Yeah. I, I, you know, for me, I, I felt I deserved to be happy as well. I, I felt the people that ridiculed me, the people that put me down, I, I felt that what they had was happiness. So they were happy enough that they could put me down. So for me, I was like, I also want happiness of my own, but I don't want to do it the, their way. I want to do it with love. I want to, you know, when I, when I discovered that both my grandmothers, my Ndebele grandmother and my Shona grandmother agreed to name me Tino Davano. That, that was the, the, the mission for me, that if, if my grandmothers from two different tribes could agree on a single name that, that was born out of like love and, you know, that kind of thing, mm. it was about loving people, then that became my mission. Everything about me was about, I, in fact, for me, I'm like, I realized later in life that it became so profitable to be a good person. Wow. That is such a beautiful statement. Okay. So <laughs> this is who you became and this is how you became. Yeah. And how did this lead you to living on a bus? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, and making and it look cool, by the way, making it look cool. So, 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 you know, the thing, the thing about life is that, you know, whatever decisions you decide to make, right. Mm. I think it's really up to you to be happy with it and not happy with making a decision, like happy in the process of it. Like, you, you know, you, for me, my wife and I, we didn't decide to just live in a bus. Our decision was that we didn't want to pay rent. Rent was making us unhappy, Tembi, really unhappy. Mm. I mean, imagine, imagine you calculate and both of you combined have spent more than 200,000 US dollars on rent and, and you That's don't a own a house. Mm. And you, yeah, you don't own a house. Left, right and center, celebrity friends are being buried by asking uh, for money 
donation. for their own funerals mm. for their own funerals you mm. know I, I i don't want that life i really didn't want that life and i found myself you know when we, as i started in comedy i didn't want to be that artist i didn't want to be that 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 mm. brand at all mm. that at the end of it all is just full of controversy and you know things showing up in the woodworks and so this discussion really started in 2012 when my wife and I got married and we said, what, what did we want to do? And I remembered we were on a cruise ship. And funny enough, our marriage itself uh, was, you know, all of our parents, you remember our parents were divorced and remarried. So we had eight parents deciding that we should get married here. I'm the first born, so I should have a wedding in Arara. I should have it in Blaue. Remember all these people that really didn't even give me a good childhood were dictating to me they were dictating to me where I must have my happiest day of my life. And making a claim on your yeah. happiness. Exactly. And I found as I was solving problems for my own life, like I said, you end up finding out that your solutions to your problems will happen to be solutions to someone else's problems. And my wife was going through exactly the same thing. And so in the end, we, one of the things was that she went back onto the cruise ship. We still hadn't gotten married and then we, you know, when I was on tour, we just decided when I went on the ship and they were like, you know, do you guys want to get married on the beach? And we're like, absolutely. Like, who says no to something like that? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're like, we'll park the ship in the back. And we're like, at that point, none of us thought we haven't paid Lobola. We haven't talked to our parents. We didn't think about that. Oh, we my God. First. We're like, we want to be happy. I don't want to be sitting on a day looking, with a, looking at a group of people who are not involved in my life, forcing me mm. to buy food for them so that I can spend the whole day dressed in white so that I'm unhappy. And later on, when I get divorced, people say, ah, oh, we knew it. Oh, Lord, Carl. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, 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 so on, on, the, on that day, we decided what, what did we want out of life. And, and what we wanted was, we wanted to move to a small town. We decided it was going to be Victoria Falls. We liked it because it was small. It felt like it was on a cruise ship. We could control a lot of elements. We didn't have to like drive around long distances to get stuff done. Mm. We wanted to build on our own little piece of land and start a, a business and inspire people on how couples working together can achieve a lot of great things. It's a hard journey to work as a couple. You know, and so this whole journey started and we started falling in love with uh, sustainability, going green, living in tiny houses. And so when we were paying 750 US dollars for a cottage in Vic Falls, you know, something just snapped in both of us. And we're like, to hell with this. We're moving into a tent. We're going to start the process of building our own house. So we'll go from, you know, like Nelsie will tell me stuff she doesn't want anymore in her life. And I'm the one who decides, okay, the way to get to owning our own house or building our own house is to live in a tent, then in a bus, then in a rural piece of land, then leverage that to get our farm, and then also then buy a property or a number of properties around the country. Wow. I feel like to live this way, you have to have such a strong, strong partnership with your spouse. Yeah. I mean, you have yeah. to be rock solid because you're taking a lot of risks. You're doing a lot of things that are unusual, off yeah. the grid. Um, and, and if you're not really uh, together, you're going to be very, very lonely. Yeah. I, I, think, I think also in, in saying that, right, mm. um, I don't want to put pressure on people about um, sometimes rock solid means... Um, being very divergent, very different, and in mm. a lot of cases, dis disagree. The one thing, though, that we have at the back of our mind is that we have an agreement on what we want. Wh what we don't agree on is how to get there. <laughs> right? So, so the process of relationship or marriage is about the consensus. And the consensus is not about being right it's about doing what's right yep. so what what normally that means is that like for example um you know there's a lot of husbands who who a lot of my friends will say oh my wife spends a lot of money she spends too much she does this you know i don't want to give her the card i don't want to you know i think for us it was very different for me it was the same thing i, I wanted to understand okay why is it that we earn a lot of money but we spend a lot and whatever mm. but the issue was that okay so nelsie you are actually going to control all the money. As in, 
I don't make payments for anything. I don't hold cash. I don't do anything with the accounts. What that ended up doing for Nelsie was that it changed the spending behavior. Right, because now she had to be super responsible as the person in charge of the money. Exactly. So sometimes the thing about your partner that you, let's say, for example, that uh, you may not like about your partner. So Nelsie has done the same with me in a lot of different areas where, like, for example, uh, Nelsie will sometimes will sit back and will just let me be like, uh, like be agreeable to something that she doesn't agree with for the purpose of progress. But later on, I will pick up on it and say, oh, okay, hang on. But I don't think she actually does agree with this. So I've spent more time now listening to her, like as in, I'll argue with her so that I can, I understand the full point of view, like is, wow. as, as she measured enough or whatever it is, but go away and think about it for a while. Like I'll sit there, Nelsie, Nelsie wants a lot of things. She wants a lot of things, but for me, I'm like, pay attention to all the things, then come up with a way of being able to deliver on that. Also, my wife loves seafood, for example. Okay, mm. so the only way to sustain this is that I need to learn how to cook well and do more cooking consultancy because for us, we should, I kind of, we won't be able to afford this budget. Right. Right. So, so, so my, my, the way I go about it is to say, Oh, okay. I've created a business model that can afford the lifestyle. She loves Cape town, for example. So comedy was great because I started building up the network in Cape town so that I do an annual sort of comedy run in Cape town. Mm -hmm. And then she gets two weeks in Cape town. Okay. So basically you are living your best life and as much as right. possible getting other people to pay for it. Absolutely. I everyone else should pay. everyone else should pay for it because the the I mean unless unless you already have a stack of money sitting somewhere. Uh I, no, I but think I mean that's just, that's yeah. the value you're adding and so yeah. that's the the compensation for the value you're adding. I love it. Love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, I wish more of us could be this brave, um, Carl, because I think when I work with personal brands, one of the things that I find is that people have, you know, it's not that, for instance, they don't know their purpose. They're just scared of it. Right. Or they don't know what they want to do. They just don't have the courage to be different. You know, what will people say and how will I explain it to my in-laws and all of these things um, that really are preventing us from being who we really want to be and living how we really want to live. Right. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, right, I think a lot of decisions were made for me. You know, for example, because of how my parents split up, we don't have a communal home. We don't have a kaya for us, you know, mm-hmm. um, because my, my dad and the, the, they sold our family house. So there's no place where, if ever my wife and I had kids, we can't take our kids somewhere mm-hmm. where we belong, you know? So we, I mean, we developed a company that solved that problem for us, but we realized a lot of people had this problem. Um, okay. You know, when I, when I tried to go to my mother's rural homestead, you know, they didn't, they didn't really want us to, to, to be there to do the project. They wanted the project for themselves, but they didn't want us to be part of the project, you know, um, <laughs> of our own project. And, right. Yeah. And so we, we decided a long time ago that if family, if family by blood, right, is not going to do say things to help you, then maybe you need to find family by association. Mm. Facebook literally saved my life Wow! because I have, I have new brothers and sisters. I have new nieces and nephews. I have new mothers and fathers. I have grandparents. I have, I have, I, I, I have selected my own circle, my very own circle, my very own tribe, my very own Ekaya, you know, people who have contributed to my business people who have supported my business people have supported my career people who you know when my wife had a miscarriage it was strangers that took her to the hospital you know you know this is what i you know these things i'm I'm talking about that i i you know i remember when i was in hospital and as a diabetic i remember relatives coming to the hospital to say to me why didn't you attend so-and-so's funeral i was in a hospital bed Timmy. wow wow so 
So when these decisions, it's just that we ignore it yeah. when it happens to us yes. by, by being uh, diplomatic. But for me, I just prefer a straight cut. I'm like, oh, okay, so you would do this to, to me? Okay, cool. Uh, let me just cut you off. I, you're replaceable. <laughs> I, can find, wow. I can find somebody else that, that fits. My, my whole life is a business. Even my relationships are a business in, in the sense that you, you don't want... Imagine, I had a relative that said to me, uh, I, I remember they had given me a piece of... I wanted to do uh, like podcast. They gave me like a microphone, mm-hmm. right, to use. Mm-hmm. And they were going to pick up the microphone. And then they decided that, uh, okay, I want the microphone back. And we're in Victoria Falls and they're in another city, right? Mm-hmm. And they proceeded to start sending me such violent messages, right? To the extent that they were now saying, oh, I'm now going to tell the press that, oh, a Ted fellow like Carl has borrowed like $50 from me and whatever. And I was like, what? This is family, Timby. <laughs> This is family. Okay, I think I think when people were picking families, you just got. I got the worst. Yeah, no, I, I, but, wow. Yeah, I, I, I let, let me just say, I have family that are, are like my my own blood, right? Mm-hmm. Who who I love dearly, right? Okay. But I, what okay. I'm saying is that we have a tendency in Africa of the extended family system. The, the word extended family means you can extend your family. No one ever said it has to be by blood. Right. That's a cool view. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so this notion that people say, I don't hang out with my work colleagues, or I don't mix this with this, or I don't mix that with that. Mm. And you're like, okay, you know what, it's up to you. But for me, it works perfectly okay. Yeah, but I, I, also, I, I also think the people who say that, it's because they've had the luxury of right. having people around them that they get along with, you know. Right. Because yeah. when you don't have that luxury, then you'll understand why you need to hang out with your work colleagues. Your work colleagues, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But we're, we're so judgmental, I think, in the African context. And, you, and I mean, you can literally see it uh, with what, what's happened with, you know, the death of Jinimbi, for example. Mm. How much Zimbabweans feel like they own you. They act like they eat at your house. Like, you know, sometimes I'll post a picture of food. And someone will literally leave their own house to go onto Facebook, wherever that Facebook is, yeah. to write, to write, ah, why didn't you cook that with, uh, without the chili? Because me, I don't like chili. I'm like, hang on a minute. You don't live in my house. I don't care what you think. I literally don't care. Like my cooking thing, as much as people, like it's a business, right? But I literally can be, to be honest, I don't care because the cooking is solving my own problems. Right, exactly. Your own hunger problem. <laughs> I, I, am, I am my biggest client first. Before the first client walks in my door, oh. I am already content. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, people do have issues, that's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Let me ask you kind of a big question, Carl. Yeah. What does success mean to you? Yeah, <laughs> I love that's that's my favorite. Yeah, even my wife is laughing in the background. Nelsie is here, by the way. Hey, so, Nelsie. <laughs> hey, <Tebby>, are you? <laughs> so good. So, so, so we're always having this conversation with my wife, and the answer is always the same. Happiness is success to me. Like, good. If. if yeah, if I'm, not, if I'm not on a continuous path of just happiness, I'm not successful. It used to be money. It used to be a number. It used to be like 100,000, 100 million. That used to be the thing, right? But success to me has always been, um, whatever I did, did it make me happy? Then I was successful at it. For example, I've done gigs where I've been unhappy and I've stopped doing that type of gig. Because I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's against my, my principle of success. I'm unsuccessful at certain things. I stopped doing those things or I learned to do them better. Yeah, you know, I, I, I used to feel so obligated. Like if you have a gift, then you must right. use it. And right. I was constantly being asked to MC events and I hated it. Right. And one day I was just like, why am I doing this? And right. I stopped. And I've been so happy. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And then also you have I, all these people going, but you can make so much money. Like, you know, you get paid yeah, more money. 
see than you would to give a talk. And they'd be like, yeah, but I'd hate it. But I love giving talks. <laughs> exactly. And money, remember, isn't everything, right? Like 2015, I lived off barter trade and realized, barter trade only. And I realized that I got more value from trading my, my skill at the value I wanted than I would have if I invoiced. Wow. So I was so going to ask, I was going to, yeah. the minute you said butter, I was thinking like grain, chicken. <laughs> we, also did, we also did that. <laughs> we, we literally also did that. So we're living in Kadoma at the time and wow. we had finished uh, doing a consultancy for a restaurant, a restaurant and hotel. But we fell out with the owners. They owed us a, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and we decided that instead of, um, that's where the barter started. Instead of getting our money back, we took over one of their properties and lived in it for a year without paying any rent. Okay. That, that, was, the, that was the first step. Mm -hmm. The second step was that we started a community garden where we started trading with our neighbors. Like we were growing greens and herbs and stuff where the friend was doing goats. And, and someone else was doing chickens and someone doing eggs. We even started like a little market in Kadoma. Uh, like a friend of ours started a market uh, as a result uh, where, wow. where people actually either selling stuff and then they'll trade the stuff after. But okay, I started so can writing. You, can you, as a project for yeah. me, yeah. Uh, please set up this market online. Right. So that we can continue this part of trading because I quite like yes. it. Yeah, because the, the, the principle is based on write all the things that you need, honestly. Like, what, what do you need in life? Oh, DSTV, I need a flat screen TV, I need all of these things. And then start approaching the people with those products as clients and offer them your service in exchange for the product. Uh -huh. And quite often, the, the clients are more likely to give you the product. In fact, even give you at a premium. So DSTV were more, like, more likely to give you a premium account with uh, the with the PVR with everything because it was cheaper to them than having to take money out of the bank to to pay you for the same service oh. and in fact they wouldn't even be interested in using you for that particular service okay. uh, to to pay you cash and so like in the the same uh, applied to uh, groceries for example we had a company that we were doing advertising for uh, like we're doing their adverts for the screens that were in the OK in OK. And so they were paying for our groceries. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so very, but um, innovative, huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. actually think like, living with you must be a nightmare. <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> it did. You yeah. get used to it, Debbie. <laughs> I don't know, girl. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you know what's actually quite funny about us, though, is that. We're, we're actually quite boring when it comes to the innovation in the sense that like this, the, like, uh, the bus project, uh -huh. we had been hopping on and on about this for two years. So when it, when, it, when, when it happened, right, when it happened, it's not like there was any new innovation happening. This was just a culmination of a two, three year process. Well, it doesn't feel new and innovative for you. Because yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. For two years. But for the, us, the audience, <laughs> yeah. we're like... Exactly. Ah. It's, like, it's like Carl just woke up one day exactly. living in a tent. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but when you think of it at the, at the, you know, below the line, that's why I say like our lives are kind of below the line and above the line, right? Mm. And so there's a lot of other work going on in the background. Like there, when we lived in a tent, there was a whole other business around it. Like we were hiring tents to people in Victoria Falls oh. coming to stay in a campsite. So okay. us staying in a tent was like a validating the product to say, well, we can't convince people to come and stay in a tent on holiday if we're not prepared to live in one. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's really fun, taking validation to levels. but okay. To another level, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I believe you have to live your product. So as a celebrity yeah. chef, one of the, I have a lot of chefs that come into my inbox you know, Carl, I really want to build a brand. I like how you market your stuff. I like how you do your stuff. Uh, I want to do this for myself as a chef. I want to be a celebrity chef. Mm -hmm. And then I go to their profile and not one picture of them cooking at home. And I'm like, there's no way anyone is going to believe you as a chef. Yeah. If your own wife can't even, or your own husband. 
I feel like that's a very old fashioned way of, um, of looking at life where you're separating who you are versus what you do. What I you do. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more integration now in yeah. terms of personal brands and the work we do and the way we live. Um, and, and everybody needs to catch up catch up yeah and and i think i think we just need to embody i i mean to be honest with you you just need to be a customer of your own business like for example i I see a lot of motivational like speakers out there you know motivational books whatever Mm. but you speak to people and they don't live this life they don't like the books they write are not i know right i yeah so so for me every article to have written is is a thing i do it's not it's not like I'm not writing about, I'm not writing a case study of someone's life. I'm not saying, yeah, 10 things that uh, Dr. Mieza did to build uh, Africa. Oh, that one can do. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, one can do with a thousand dollars. No, mine is very contextual to me. I, I, I have an article, how to work with your spouse. So like, for example, if you are going to work with your spouse, right? Mm. You, you must learn. Yes, you must argue but you fix things in your downtime. Like, so you don't choose during an argument to tell your wife about things that you don't like. Oh, by the way, I also don't like this about you. Like, this is not the time. You know, you are there to solve each other's problems, not tell each other each other's problems, for example. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, th- those kind of things. So, so I think, I think the, the truth has always been that customers never believe a salesman who doesn't actually believe in their product so if you're selling shoes and then the salesman comes with torn shoes that doesn't work for me for sure for sure and i think a lot of people are confused or puzzled by why they don't get the results that they they want um right when in fact it's it's glaring you know it's it's glaringly obvious so i mean i think you're 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 very context-based and you you're very clear about about your relationship with Zimbabwe, um, yeah. which I now understand comes from very early on in your life. But right. we are now serving, uh, obviously, a global audience, but as brand builders specifically, we're really yeah. looking at Africa and Africans. Yeah. What three things, as we close, would yeah. you say to that audience about entrepreneurship and and how to live your life <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i think i think if i was going to look at three things the first one is that you you firstly you have to understand you are the owner like you are the gatekeeper and i'm talking in the context of africa mm. and i'll just explain it quickly in the sense that i thought if i traveled the world i would find fame uh traveling the world and being like the other international comedians mm. but i quickly realized as i traveled that my narrative of being Zimbabwean was what made me own the space I had. So rather than try to be the best comedian in the world, I became the biggest Zimbabwean stand-up comedian in the world. And, and while, while that may come across in a, like it's a joke, but it's a very serious statement in the sense that nobody can beat me in the world at being, being a comedian, Zimbabwean. as a Zimbabwean comedian. Right. right. It's, the reason, it's the reason why, for example, Ted will, may look at a whole bunch of comedians that, and say, oh, um, what, what comedian can we have at the next conference? Zimbabwe will stick out to them like a sore thumb because they'll be like, oh, Zimbabwe is topical. They're going through a lot of this stuff. And by the way, there's a comedian traveling the world. We want to hear that story. Mm. So you become a gatekeeper as much as you think you don't own your space, but you do. You have influence in your space. Yeah. So the more that you identify with that, that identity of being Zimbabwean, secondly, being African, you have more to offer the, the world. Like, so me being in Victoria Falls and working on rural tourism mm. basically means that Airbnb has got nothing on me. Okay. Because I can offer the true African experience mm. on a wholesale level to such an extent that I can broker a deal with Airbnb and say, hi, I'm the, I'm the number one curator of, of African experiences from a rural perspective. Wow. Let's talk. I can determine the pace. So people need to understand, you, firstly, 
is that you are the, the gatekeeper. Okay. The second, the second thing that you need to understand about this unique position that you have is that the world is watching you. So almost like on social media, my, my Facebook uh, account, I treat it like it's a magazine. So every day I'm publishing and I'm the editor and I curate the, the content. So while Zimbabweans think it's okay uh, to, I, I'm not saying don't speak your truth, mm. but your truth doesn't necessarily mean you only talk about the bad things. Because sometimes talking about the good things solves the, the bad things. For sure, for sure. But sometimes talking about the bad things doesn't necessarily solve the bad things. It just, it puts you in a state of, um, you're just constantly talking about Heightened. the same thing. Over, over. Yeah. It yeah. actually so, heightens the, the negative feeling. Exactly. So, mm. so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm 41. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm grown up now, you know. It's time for me. I can't, I can't be in an apartment building and hurling insults at the, at the government. The government is, a government is never perfect. It never does a good job. There's no government in the world that is innovative. It, countries are led by corporates. They're led by um, uh, entrepreneurship. They're led yeah, by business. Big business runs countries. And so in Zimbabwe now, imagine... We now have captains of industry. Can you imagine, Tim? Captains of industry mm. tweeting the same things that the public are tweeting. <laughs> and yet what I believe is that they need to be taking up space in terms of the solutions. They need to be giving stories of hope. They need to be giving, uh, they need to be giving, uh, they need to engage. They need to be listening and they need to be proactive. Mm. We need solutions. We don't need more people to tell us what the problem is. Let me, let me tell you. From the time uh, the, the whatever changeover happened, mm. right? That's very different. We have exhausted, we have exhausted yeah. what the problem is. We, now, we know it. If I could write a thesis, I can just take the first 100 tweets on my timeline and publish <laughs> it. So now we know. What are we doing about it? And so, you know, exactly. leaders can only do so much i also must lead my own space so what i decided to do which is the third bit is to know the space that you're taking up i drew a circle which was two meters and i said what can i influence in this circle then i drew a bigger circle showing what other influence i had so i can i have influence with my wife in terms of us as a couple how do we influence people where we are like when we're sitting and we're doing karaoke on a saturday we're not just doing karaoke we're showing married couples around Zimbabwe that husbands, you can stay at home and have fun with your wife. Right, exactly. This is, yeah, and if, if I can just influence maybe 10 or 15 men mm. to look at their marriages in that way, perhaps mm. we'll have 15 better marriages. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't need to go for wholesale. I don't need, so that and last bit you, is important. You don't need to preach about it. You can just live yeah. it. Yeah, so you don't, you don't literally in Zimbabwe, I think what it, I, I believe in, uh, in biomimicry, which is just the, the process of, you know, studying nature to see how nature behaves. Mm. In what, like, you know, designers have used that a lot, mm. aeroplanes, whatever, you know, even in advertising, we, we've done it a lot. We see what's in nature, we bring it into advertising, you know, our analogies, uh, examples yeah. that we use. So in biomimicry, uh, one of the things, like a tree, a, a plant, right? Yeah. What's interesting about a plant is that if you take the root and you put it in the ground, the root knows to grow a stalk and then leaves and then seeds, uh, fruit, yeah. uh, flowers and seeds and so on. Mm -hmm. If you take a stalk, a stalk knows to grow roots, leaves, uh, uh, fruit and, and so on. If you take a leaf in some plants, it knows how to grow a, a root, a stalk, mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. So in terms of biomimicry, in order to get a, a, a company to participate well, in order to get a country to participate well, the guy at the base must understand what he's supposed to do in terms of contributing to the brand. So if, so if, if in a company, a security guard doesn't know what he's doing, yeah. then he won't understand because he's important. He's just as important as the CEO sitting on the 18th floor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Companies somehow know how to do this well. Countries struggle and mm -hmm. citizens struggle even more because we have eroded 
the the leadership in communities yeah in the past communities used to have you know they used to meet up just to discuss the community center cleaning up this uh, the gardens our water was being used you know neighbors used to lend each other hose pipes tools they used to build for each other if you go to the rural areas right now it is the most organized zimbabwean system that exists they really? meet weekly yeah they meet weekly they tend each other's gardens there's more cooperatives happening in rural areas than collaborations we have in the cities they wow. uh when they have a drought they all call each other summon their mps they know their counselor they know their mp the sabuku has a book of people written down this stuff does not exist in the cities timbi we call ourselves ahead but in the rural communities they are more ahead they know that on the 17th of uh, november we need to start planting they listen to the weather report they call people from sidco listen rural lifestyle is the model in which zimbabwe and and actually dare i say it the rurals go out and vote yes that's true yeah so so let's just understand why the game is is set up the way that it is yeah. the rural setup in zimbabwe is actually the future for development when you think about it they grow their own food in fact you might show off people come to the rural areas and say ah, i brought you groceries to a person who's got 10 goats 15 cows 20 chickens and a field of food mm, mm, but yeah. we show off with shiny plastic yeah definitely needing to take more personal responsibility um, yeah. for our situations but this rural life i mean you you're you're opening a, a portal into a world that many of us have never even considered and i right, think right. that's so good because it's such a big part of our national identity actually um, absolutely and we need to to integrate with it and incorporate it in our national discourse so that's yeah, a yeah. great a great piece of work you're doing there and, and, and it's great it's great for people like like you and me for example who have the ability to actually switch off and just work from yeah. without yeah. actually having to be in a physical space somewhere i mean you can literally the the model that we are saying is that listen you're struggling to get to buy land commercial land uh, up in you know in town or whatever it is mm. just just go and build yourself the most beautiful rural home that echoes the architecture of the area of the land and mm. and 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 you can put in solar panels now you can put in compost toilets you can put in a septic system that uh, does uh, biogas you can live there's now you have to remember also uh, that there is fiber going around the country and a lot of it is actually people don't know this is going through rural land is it yes because it it has to connect cities how does it connect cities unless it's going through rural land like our we we have we in our rural place there's a strong fiber connection that was actually put for the airport and so we're right in between we're right sitting on top of probably the best data in the rural areas and i don't have to suffer trying to do a podcast over two days with, with them. <laughs> i wasn't going to say anything Carl. <laughs> and this was, this was me in town i could have done better kumusha doing this this uh... right 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 wow you know i could talk to you guys for forever and i think <laughs> what i really need to do is just get myself there so yeah. that you know we can talk for forever or at least for 20 yeah, no, abs- yeah. Ab- ab- absolutely absolutely we we look forward to to seeing you on uh, uh, in our country you know that there's now a, a visa to come victoria falls is now it's sort of, we sort of joined with four other countries to create a whole other region now called oh, kaza call seriously yeah so what i want to so know is will there be room in your bus for me and my children and my dog yes because there'll be there'll actually be rural huts we're actually building these tree houses they're going to love the tree houses okay cool yeah so so it's it's going to be very enjoyable okay then i'm coming i'm yeah okay. <laughs> cool. thanks so much yeah. for this wonderful conversation and for sharing your Thank ideas you so- your story and your life with us I think it's very edifying and really really refreshing. Thanks Nelsie. Thank you Welcome so much Tendi. Thank you. Thank Bye. you so much. I'm glad it finally happened.
Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Next I'm time cool. we'll do it uh, higher. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. You should see the guy building our house. He's got, he's got the most amazing view of the gorge. Ooh, stop. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's okay, crazy. I'm definitely okay, on cool. my way now. Cool, cool. Fantastic. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Timmy. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Brand to Build, a podcast brought to you by Brand Builder Africa. We'll be back here next week with more thoughtfully curated content for entrepreneurial leaders who are doing business in Africa. Stay, subscribe, and let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear about next. To learn more, visit our website at www.brandtobuild.co or email askus at brandtobuild.co.